to Texans All Access on a Tuesday. I'm DP City along with Mark Vandermeer and Drew Doherty. We've got lots to talk about. We've got a great player show. We've got more players that we're going to hear from. The Emmys also happened on Monday night. So They did? I, mm-hmm. I know you guys were not watching because there was a Monday night football game on, mm-hmm. but we'll play our own version of the Emmys. I did flick over there during commercials, but never stayed long enough to find out anything that was going on. So I went right <laughs> back to the game and I did see some stuff on social media. Yes. On sh- the Emmys are becoming like the Oscars where, what is that show? I've never even heard of that show. Some of them were brand new to me, and I got to check them out. A That's show a- I know about did yeah. really, really well. Which one? Ted Lasso. I dressed oh, up yeah. as Ted Lasso for Halloween last I year. I did see you dress up as Ted Lasso, and yeah. I did see the show. So that's can good. I I'm all some, caught up. Can I get some credit for the fact that that was my idea that Drew looks yes. like Ted Lasso? I told him to dress up like Ted Lasso. DP and my wife both like concurrently like, came up with that idea. <laughs> it was a great idea by both of them. And they separ- I didn't tell either that they had said it, but they said it basically within like a day. And I was like, that's okay, all right. And Drew almost didn't do it. Drew was adamant that he wasn't going to do it. The season Why? wasn't going well. Yeah. It was a Halloween game. He felt like this was not his time to Changed shine. Changed my mind, yeah. And then we're like, don't be a bad sport. It's a Halloween game, and I'll be Danny Rojas because I wanted to be his supporting character. Oh, I want to be Jamie Tart. Jamie Tart, Jamie Tart, whatever that song Jamie, is. <laughs> Jamie what Tart, is it again? Tart, Tart. No, I don't know, but I heard the actual song Jamie at one point. Tart, 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 it's Baby yeah. Shark, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. I was is. a little bit off on my Jeez, rhythm. I'm way off. All right. Ted Lasso won a bunch. I felt like Drew won a bunch with that costume. But, Thank you. Uh, we did, hey, we, by the way, this yeah. department, uh, Tyler Sudarth and Tyler Marcotte won sports Emmys yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, oh, yes. a couple of weeks ago. Tyler won two, Tyler Sudarth, yeah. and Marcotte shared one. But first. you don't share one. You each get one. Yeah, Mar- that's Marcotte's first. And Sudarth, I mean, he's... Three-time Emmy winner. Yeah, he had won one before. That. It, that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And little I actually old, have a statue. Texans TV has come a long, long way. I yeah. feel like I should kick the two of you off and bring the two Tylers into discussion. That's not yeah, a bad could, idea. Right? That's not a bad they, idea. They have thoughts on things. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good podcast. On... <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> two Tylers and four chaps. Emmys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and a DP. Uh, all right, let's get into some of your quick hits of the week. Christian, I mean, it was a tie. The Texans ended their game in a tie. All right, so Get over Before that. we get there, all right, actually, yes. do you have hot reads on the tie itself? I do have hot reads. All right, reads. go ahead. Did I call I, them quick hits? I don't know. You might have. I like to call them quick hits because on the pregame show, they're quick hits, but they're also hot reads for radio. Yes. Traditionally on Texans radio, they're called hot reads. Anyway, go ahead with the first one. I don't want to jump I'll go in. Ahead. But you know I will anyway. Well, the Texans ended a tie in case you're living under a rock. Christian Kirksey discussed it. Even though the Texans defense held the Colts to just two touchdowns on five red zone appearances and forced two turnovers, they were not able to eke out the win. Here's what Christian Kirksey had to say. I've been in a tie before. It's a weird feeling, and this is definitely weird in this situation because it doesn't really feel like a, a tie in my eyes. It, it, it more so felt like, man, we should have won that game because we were yeah. so we started off so fast. And even though we ended in a tie, it's like, man, they came back, and it's like they almost got the advantage. So he's been part of one before, but he said, hey – it doesn't feel like a tie. It feels more like a loss, basically. He wouldn't say that directly, but that was the cut. And I just feel like I understand that because he had a 20-3 to lead. So I think if you were down 20-3 to and tied it up, you might feel better about it. Maybe not that much better. I'm sure the Colts aren't feeling that great about it, but it's a weird feeling. How do you guys feel? Because yeah. I think the feelings about it are interesting. I've been asking everybody, Lovey, Nick, I've been asking everybody about the feelings about it. No, it feels like a loss. But I think on top of it, I don't know about you two, but with about three or four minutes to go in regulation in this game, mm. I thought, 
Gee, I, I need a nap. I'm exhausted. This is exhausting. <laughs> it was exhausting. Oh, I'm just t- Yeah, I mean, I was drained, and I, I, mean, I think because of the the emotional drain, physically, I was drained too. But yeah, it fe- it felt like a loss. But then you think about it, it's like, well, it's not a loss. And then you uh, technically you could be one of those jokers that says the undefeated first place Houston Texans. Nobody's saying that, but it is true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, but I'm you undefeated. don't. It's just like, uh, yeah, I know. What you you kind of say it through clenched teeth. You know, yep. after after a tie. I think it's context. I think it, it. you're right. It's the fact that the Texans had the lead. They lost. But on the flip side, I don't think the Colts are celebrating this tie either no. because there was a lot of expectation on them. I mean, the Texans were still underdogs in week one. And I, and I think they came in thinking their team was going to look a certain way. And they came out very flat. They made a lot of mistakes early on and throughout the game. I mean, they basically tried to give the game away. And they were also not able to pull out a win. So, I mean, I've been reading on Twitter. Colts fans are not happy. The Colts beat writers are talking about all the different things that went wrong in the game. So, nobody's happy after a tie. But, you know, it did feel like a loss in the locker room. I was in there after the game. And... You know, you had to remind yourselves that they didn't actually lose the game, but the mood in the locker room. I know, Mark, you listen to a few of the interviews with the players that I had done, and you're like, that that's really depressing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what the mood was. They were not happy, even if they were underdogs, even if they were winning. I think they really felt like they could have pulled out the win, and they just couldn't get the job done. But these defensive players played 92 snaps. Yeah. I mean, it was a long game for them. It was a long game for the rest of us. It was an emotional roller coaster, but guess what? You've got the Denver Broncos in week two, and they're coming off an equally emotionally draining loss, I think, in week one. Maybe even more so. They've got a short week, and they didn't get the tie. They got the loss. Good point. I'm cool with that. Uh, you know, so you didn't bring up 92 plays. The The two big stats that just leap out at me, and I know it's overtime. You played five quarters, so you get more of this, but Matt Ryan threw the ball 50 times. You Normally, when the opposing team throws the ball 50 times, they're losing, okay? Yeah. On top of that, Jonathan Taylor ran the ball 31 times. I mean, you, a lot of plays. You are never going to see that in a, re, in a, a, a normal regulation game. and it, It's rare you're going to see that in an overtime game, but we saw that, and they still they tied. It's, I mean, just so weird. 50 passes and 31 runs from your lead back. Yeah, at the end of the day, you look at all the yardage they got, and you think, oh, man, I thought the defense was doing better. And they did do very well for the bulk of the game, but the offense started to sputter. Last five possessions, you have two first downs and a turnover, and that's it. And that was tough to take. And I think that, obviously, the momentum completely changed. The Colts' feelings are largely based on, well, everything you just mentioned, the fact that they missed that field goal. They could have walked out of there with a win after everything that went wrong, and they still would have felt like they got to correct their mistakes, but at least they won it for their sake. Lovey Smith, I totally get taking the tie at that point. I could argue both sides of this all day long. I mentioned it's like the debate club where you have to pick a side to pick another and argue both sides. I could, but he felt like I've got to get something out of this day. I avoided the loss by having Blankenship miss the field goal already. I gave my offense another shot. They went backwards on third and one. I'm done. Let's take the tie, regroup for Denver. And you know what? We get a little positive. It's not a W in the stat sheet. We get a little half. We get a little half win. 
glass half full, notch, and you know what? It can turn out to be a positive if you are in contention at the end of the year. Look at what happened to the Steelers last year. They made the playoffs because they had a tie that improved their winning percentage. Yeah. Uh, it drops you down in that loss column. So, look, we'll see how it shakes out here. At least you played them very close. You went toe-to-toe with them after losing by a combined total of 62-3 to last year. This game was circled. No matter if it was week one or week 15 and 6, they, the Texans put a major, major emphasis on this game in particular because of what happened last year. I mean, you could kind of wash your hands of the Bills blowout last year. It was in the rain. It was Davis Mills' first road start. Mm-hmm. You were doomed from the get-go as far as that goes. But you didn't. You couldn't really explain away what you did and how you played last year. Texans' roster is better than it was last year. Texans' coaching staff is better than it was last I mean, they're, this is a better team, and I think perhaps the Colts and definitely their fans and the media, they're still tainted with that thought of, well, this is the same old Texans from the last year or so. They're not. Probably. This is a better team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many wins the Texans are going to get this year, but they're a better team than they were in 2021. And I know that's not saying much because Texans were bad last year. You win four games, you're a bad football but team. But they're better. They're better, and they're I think they're much better. So yeah, I think we're going to see that as, as the season plays out. All right, we talked about making changes from 2021 to 2022. How about from week one to week two? Lovey Smith said, expect some changes after the week one tie. More carries for Damian Pierce. Maybe less snaps for some of the rookie defensive players. Perhaps more playing time for Kenyon Green, the rookie offensive lineman. What do you guys think of that? I thought it was, to start off with, I thought it was very telling that Lovey came out in his press conference Monday unprompted and said, that he's aware of the number of carries for Damian Pierce, which were just eleven, a lot less of a lot less than what everyone expected, knowing that he was the starting running back. And uh, he he basically said it was one of the mistakes of Week One, and, and they want to change that moving forward. Listen, I watched the game up on the five hundred level because mm-hmm. I'm doing my stuff on the game day central deck, and so DP, I'm I'm texting DP in the game for stuff that you know because I, I I'm not seeing the broadcast; it's just in the stadium. I'm like, hey, is Pierce hurt? What's going yeah, on? Because he yeah. wasn't getting carries. I was like, "What's what's the deal?" And she said there was nothing mentioned on the broadcast or in the in the booth. So I was like, "I just didn't understand." After what we'd seen in the preseason, after what we'd seen in training camp, and what we'd heard from Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton and the rest of Pierce's teammates and Pierce himself. I mean, this was the starting back. I thought we'd see more touches. So obviously, that's going to change Sunday. We'll see more of him. But I thought that was going to be the case Sunday. And I, I know I'm not alone. And I know. That's a big, big source of frustration for a lot of people all around. Mark and I were talking about this in his office. I, there were a few times in the game I was telling him how we were texting. Yeah. And I said, I'm looking at him. He's on the sideline. He's got his helmet on. And if there, were, there was at least one time, maybe more than that, where he'd run onto the field for a substitution, but then sort of U-turn and come back off the sideline. They'd wave him off. So mm-hmm. I, I knew that he was ready to go in. He just wasn't going in. He was just waiting for his opportunity. And, you know, we were all sort of confused by it. And then Lovey just came out Monday and said, well, that's going to change moving forward. Now, they maybe they trusted Rex Burkhead because he's the more veteran back. Maybe they trust his pass protection. But I think with the game on the line, everybody wanted to see what Damian Pierce was able to do with a, in that third down situation. And we weren't able to see it, but maybe moving forward we will. And and that's really all you can hope for moving ahead. Third and one, Damian Pierce, I don't know if he gets it or not, right? You need you good know. blocking up front. Everybody has to work together. You know Rex Burkhead can get the tough yards as well. And I'm with you that that's probably the feeling of trusting the veteran uh, through several instances in that game. But 
Pierce needs to play to get better. He still had 11 carries. It wasn't like he only touched it five times. He had 11 carries, and it wasn't like he was ripping through. And again, I don't blame that all on him. It's a total team effort here, and I wouldn't give him too much credit if he did great. I wouldn't give him too much blame if he didn't. So let's just hope you can see more of him because you had 25 carries between the two players, right? And Burkhead had 14. Pierce had 11. Let's see if they can get Pierce a few more touches somehow uh, against the Broncos. And Obviously, the passing game has to be better. Third down, it was two for nine after halftime. You've got to be able to get better third down opportunities and conversions. And this is actually not breaking news here, but you have to sustain drives. The defense, it was a similar situation to last year where the defense gets gassed, taxed because the offense is three and out, punt, like I said, two first downs in their last five possessions. Can't have it. Too much time on the field for the D and that 20-yard line spot. Imagine this, guys. What happens if you don't turn it over at the 20? Let's just say you don't turn it over at the 20. You go three and out, you punt. Well, they're on a long field. They might score a touchdown, but they used up a little more clock. Maybe you had a chance to get after one of those balls. Uh, maybe shut down a play. Maybe not. Maybe they score a touchdown. But that elongates the time situation a little bit, and you have a much better chance to win. You don't give them a spot at the 20-yard line. So they'll be... I think they'll be better against the Broncos. They'll get that week one to week two jump. Let's hope they do anyway. You talk about touches for Damian Pierce, and you talk about, well, if, if he's in there late, that third and, third and one. I mean, mm-hmm. well, what if he'd given him the ball about five more times earlier in the game? Mm. Yeah, maybe it doesn't even matter. Does the third matter. one even ever arise? Well, there's there a the lot of what ifs. Reach? Yeah. What if, well, yeah, to keep doing the what ifs, what if Jalen Petrie, the ball that goes through his hand, what if he catches that? You know, it, yeah. you can keep doing that, and call, we do this all the time with the, 2019 Chiefs uh, yeah. playoff loss. So, yeah. yeah. Well, anyhow. well. Um, to my point here, to my point, 9.49 to go in the game is when the Colts got the ball at the 20. Mm-hmm. So you would have run a little bit more clock. That was a second and six play. So let's say they get it with nine minutes left, right? Now they could score in three minutes, four minutes, whatever. But at le- And then they're down a touchdown. You have another opportunity to respond, and you're not in as much duress, mm-hmm. I would think, but look, it is what it is. You got to live with it. It's a tie. It's a glass half full situation. I'll look at the plus side of it and move on to Denver. Yeah, you know, another another glass half full look at it, and I don't want to be the Pollyanna here, but it was the first game of the season. You're not always the sharpest your first time out. This was the first time throwing to Cooks for Mills this season. It's been a while mm-hmm. since those two have linked up that was in meaningful point. game action. Yeah. I mean, Maybe things get tightened up a little bit after getting that one week under their belt. Maybe they don't, but maybe they do, and that's something to remember and keep in mind. Perhaps they improve a little bit. Now, everybody should be improving, and Lovey Smith said the biggest jump is usually from week one to week two. If that's the case, perhaps good things are and coming. I think the there Texans. are bigger jumps throughout, too, uh, as far as the trajectory. Yeah. If Assuming you do get better as a team mm-hmm. and you don't get worse, you don't get banged up and worse in your performance, assuming they get better, I think you'll see a week one to week two jump, and then I think week five, six, you know, after the bye here, because the bye is pretty sure. early, you'll be able to hit some stride there. Schedule's tough, though, and you got a real toughie out of the way here. You played the Colts once. That's a, always a very tough game, as we know. We've gone over this material, and you got out of it without a loss. I, I just don't even know how to phrase it, but it's better than losing, folks. 
you're going to face two veteran quarterbacks in the first two weeks, and next up is Russell Wilson. And it could be worse. You could be the Broncos waking up today because mm. uh, they are coming <laughs> off a really tough loss. They've got to get things together and figure it out. On a short week, Russell Wilson and the Broncos, they fall 17-16 to at Seattle, a game where they were favored to win against the Seahawks. Wilson was 29-42 of 42 for 340 yards, one touchdown, but no interceptions in his debut for Denver. And Lovey Smith, before the game, talked about what it's going to be like facing the Broncos in Week 2. Russell Wilson has been an excellent quarterback, as good as there is in the league for a long period of time. So big challenge to an even bigger challenge that we're going to face this coming week. So that's Lovey Smith talking about the Broncos. Obviously, Mark and, and John caught up with him for the Lovey Smith show on Monday. But watching that game, Mark, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, watching Russell Wilson there in week two, that I just feel like the emotions of a game like that, yes, you're happy to get it out of the way, but to lose the way they did on fourth and five and not put the ball back in Russell Wilson's hand to give him a chance to, to really pull out a win or at least get a couple yards to make the field go a little bit easier, I mean, that's got to be a tough pill to swallow. And now they got to turn around really quickly and host the Texans at home and figure things out. I guess they're thinking, all right, if I make the field goal – I don't want too much time on the clock left for Seattle's offense, right? That's if I make this field goal. So let's not call timeout right now. It is fourth and five. I don't know. I felt at the time I thought, and I don't think they talked about this in the broadcast with Joe Buck and, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, but I thought run the play quickly on fourth and five, which is easier said than done. But then if you don't make it, you have three timeouts at that point. You'll mm -hmm. get the ball deep in your territory. I know not a lot of time left, maybe 35 seconds or so. But you'll have a shot with Russell Wilson to get into 64-yard field goal range at the very least. So let your guy do his thing and see if you can convert. You're not far off the mark the, the, on the Manning Manning broadcast with Peyton and Eli. Peyton Manning was saying the same thing, like, okay, you've got three timeouts. You've got plenty of time. You can run a quick play here. And he was literally, I, I was listening to clips of it because I was also watching the Troy Aikman, Joe Buck broadcast. But he was talking through like, okay, they have time to run one more play. They got mm -hmm. lots of time, no need to panic. But then they run so much time off the yeah, clock. They while they're and thinking. Then, while they're thinking. And then they call the timeout, which yeah. I was like, what is, and then they pull out the, the field goal kicking unit and Shannon Sharp. Also Broncos, also a former Bronco, yeah. loses his mind because at that point it's when Peyton and Eli sort of figure out that, hey, they're going to kick a field goal. And Shannon Sharp said, "Kick what? Kick what? What are they going? What are they going to kick?" Well, if there's so, any, if there's any quarterback who it's tailor made for on a fourth and short, right. it's that guy. I mean, he can dance yeah. around and get the yardage. He's got the arm. He, you know, I mean, he's got a. I, looking at their skill position players, holy cow, they're talented. I mean, two really good running backs. They've got the two receivers. Like, I mean, this is a really, really good team, and he's got so many options, and he can just run for stuff to, like, yeah, it's. It's a dumbfounding decision all in all. You also have to think about what the opponent doesn't want you to do. Exactly. Right? Because think about it from the Seahawks' point of view. Would you rather have the Broncos attempt a 64-yard field goal or leave Russell Wilson on the field right now? Absolutely. I'll take yeah. my chances with the field goal if I'm Seattle. I, so, had, I had zero confidence in Seattle yeah, stopping them at, at right. all. When he got the ball on the drive, I was like, game over. They're going to get this field goal. And, and, this is easy right, money for exactly. Russell Wilson. And yeah. Even though it's fourth and five, I'm like, fourth and five. We've seen it with no Russell problem. Wilson up close and yeah. personal. So. If you're Seattle, you're thinking, oh, please get Russell Wilson off the field. I'd rather see McManus try a field goal yep. from impossible range nearly. 12% conversion rate over the history of his career from beyond 60. Whatever the numbers are. You know, we make a big deal about analytics. 
And look, beyond 60 yards is not hard to figure out. This is a long shot, folks. (laughs) This is going to be a long shot to make this one. But Russell Wilson on fourth and five, it's like a 50-50 shot. Yeah. You know the the win probability chart that, you know, first quarter, third quarter? Well, Mm. the uh, Drew Doherty win probability chart when they... When they got the ball, the Seahawks, it was 100% Broncos. Not when the Seahawks got When the Broncos got the ball back, yeah. 100% Broncos will win this game. Russell Wilson will get them in field mm-hmm. goal territory, and their guy will bang it through. Mm-hmm. When they went out there on fourth and lined up for the field goal, it dropped significantly yeah. down to like win probability. less than the team. Yes. Probi- yeah. Well, Football Outsiders actually did do a win probability. The, the win probability, if they had gone with a, a play on fourth and five, Thirty-six point one percent. Okay. Yeah. Guess what it was if they kicked a field goal? Around ten. Less seven point four percent. Seven point four. So See, from mine, thirty-six mine differed. to I, seven. I was with the seven percent, but my win probability had they gone for it was a hundred percent. I think it's tough. Well, look, Nathaniel oh. Hackett. <laughs> on this, fourth and five, though. This is on fourth the, and five. That's on the Drew Doherty scale, not on theirs. Wait, I thought you said starting the drive. Yeah, and no, and if they give him the ball to like, if they give Russell Wilson the ball on fourth and five, you yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's gonna get that, no oh, problem. Okay, okay. I totally thought he'd get it. I mean, I don't know if I'd say hundred percent, but I mean, it was pretty high, at least fifty-fifty. This goes back to coordinator, really good at his job, gets a head coaching job, and you might be really good at it, but this is a tough spot yeah. for a first game for a head coach because that's a tough decision to make right there. Maybe it's not that tough according to some people, but. You know, you're at Seattle, it's crazy, it's loud, a lot of pressure, uh, an unusual sort of situation, maybe not that unusual, but something where you have to sort of play chess on the fly. That's tough for a first-time head coach. Yeah, but give, me ten, more, give me 10 more yards if I'm going to send my kid out there. Yes, and you, you know, know what? You have to think about these situations if I'm in this situation. Now, the exact situation is hard to imagine maybe, but you also have to have a feel for that. I think it's tough for a first game for a first-time head coach. It, yeah. it really is. There's a difference when you sit in that chair for so many reasons, for so many things you have to deal with on and off the field. And in that situation, being a coordinator, you never had to worry about it before. Mm-hmm. You just had to have a play ready for the head coach if he decides to go for it on fourth and five. And usually the play is have Russell Wilson run around and make a play. Yep. Like That's what I'm dialing up yep. in that situation. But they, you know, it's not just that. I think they've got a lot to clean up before Sunday's game against the Texans. They had yeah. 106 yards in penalties. Mm-hmm. They fumbled twice at the goal line. Ooh, can we continue I mean, that? Even if, yeah, even if you decide to, I mean, it shouldn't. You, they, maybe they wouldn't have even been in that position had they not made all those mistakes earlier on. But, I mean, it's going to be tough sledding for them this week to turn things mm-hmm. around. And it's a short week. And that was a, probably an exhausting trip that they had to travel on. Yes, and as Mark Vandermeer would say, they're not not fat, fat and happy. So <laughs> not fat, not, and happy. They did not is, win, and they're not satisfied, wait, wait. And content. This is it, good, though, right? That they're not fat and happy. What are we? We're skinny. I don't know what a tie is, Mark. No, skinny. skinny no, we don't hungry. feel good. You're not you skinny. Know, this is actually You're not skinny. It's better than a loss because you feel like it's a loss, so you have that edge. But you didn't really lose. You're tied for first in the AFC South. So there's that. Yeah, I'm not really. I still don't know what to make of the tie, and I feel like we might not ever. This might be one of those things we look back many years from now and say, "Remember that time we tied in Week One? First time the Texans tie in franchise history. Mm-hmm. The first time they've ever gone into overtime in Week One. How about that? Pretty wild. A lot of firsts, but not the first wild. time going into overtime against the Colts. Third time ever. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to look that up. How about that? All right, I've got a quick Vander quiz for you now Brock that you said that. Got it done, and also Watson in eighteen, week four. Yeah. All right, Mark. We saw three rookies make their NFL start Ooh, against this the Colts. Is tough, though, don't most do this to rookies me. the Texans have started in week one since when? Two thousand two. 
I mean, that's a, that's a lot after, of after after that. What in 2006? 2006. Mark is so good at this game. You had D'Amico, Mario, you had Owen Daniels might have started that game. Charles Spencer probably started that game. Yes, Winston. Winston might not have started that game. You had one more. Was it Winston? No, Wally Lundy started that game. Yes, oh my gosh. There you go. There you go. That with this has to be a reoccurring segment, and <laughs> quiz someone Mark on and Texans history. Vander quiz on Mark. I'm like always astounded, and I just threw that in there, thinking there's no way he's going to Texans get it. household name Wally Lundy. Wally Lundy. Mark's like, oh, Wally Lundy. Of course, that was yeah. the other game. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back. We're going to discuss my own Week One Emmys. We'll have little votes <laughs> oh, on that, great. and then we'll go around the NFL because why not? It's Week One. Let's have some fun. Texans All Access. When we come back, don't go anywhere. Back with more Texans All Access. It's week two. We are on to week two. We are o o and one. That's going to take. This is going to be a challenge all season, oh, yeah. Mark, to say our record. O I did think one. about that on the air during the final call the other night. I said they are o, and I'm thinking it's definitely o o because it's the one loss, and then the tie column is the third one. Yes. So just get it right, Mark. This is me thinking on the fly. O O and one, not O and O and one. No, it's too many ands. It's yeah, O O and one and one. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we fill up the first column more so than the second column. <laughs> yes, and then we just throw well, on the one at the end. You know, I was saying to these guys in the studio earlier today when I was at Central Michigan the year before I got there. This is before college football had overtime, so you had ties. And Central Michigan had one of the weirdest records ever. They were six one and four. They what? had four ties. Yes. I think that's a record. So there were 6-1-4 in 1991 in football. Just strange stuff happens. And I don't know if you're with me. The NFL should not have ties. We should eliminate ties, figure out a way to solve the problem on the field right there that afternoon without playing five quarters or whatever. You know what? Each team gets a possession. Put the ball at the two. We're going to do two-point conversions until somebody wins, and we're out of here. <laughs> After all that football of 60 minutes and each team getting a possession, if you can't come up with a winner, we're going to do this and get out of here with a win or a loss. Why don't you do it like in soccer when everyone lines up to kick them? Oh, the kicks, the yeah. Kicks. But, like, kicks. everybody just line up and try to kick field goals. No, all the, the entire team. <laughs> the entire like, team. here's Laramie Tunsil to try his. <laughs> <laughs> we line Just up all the emergency kickers first. Have the old lineman trying to catch punts. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever Everyone drops plays one. a different position. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a quick way to score. I don't think so. They should do something kind of entertaining in the second overtime. Just to jazz things up. Because <laughs> <Jazz things laughs> <are, I'm> really <laughs> really we're tired. We're tired. <laughs> we have headaches. It's we need entertainment now. Now I need to be entertained. So change things up. You know, it just doesn't seem like the AFC North has a tie every single year. Or is that just me? I always feel like Cincinnati, mm. Baltimore. Yeah, it feels like it. I feel like they always end up in ties <laughs> in that division. last year. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. always that division. Is it going to be our division next? Because I just I don't, I don't know. know if I can handle more ties. Maybe we'll be pros if it happens again. But. I, I just like it that Jacksonville and Tennessee both lost. I was rooting so hard for the Giants that afternoon. Come on. Come on. Put us in first place, Titans. Thank you, Randy Bullock. All right. I am so glad you brought that up because I've actually put together a list of my own week one Emmys because the Emmys were on. And I think we did this a few years back, but we really didn't watch the Emmys last night because the game was too good. But Mm -hmm. uh, after looking at the week one games, there were a lot of big moments. So I'm going to have I'm going to have you vote on my first category. The biggest shocker of week one goes to. Mm. 
The Texans and Colts end in a tie. Mm. <laughs> the Titans fall 21 to 20 to the Giants after Randy Bullock misses a 47 yard field goal wide right. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers throws zero touchdowns against Minnesota as the Packers fall 23 to 7. Or the six and a half point underdog Seahawks beat Russell Wilson and the Broncos at home on primetime. That's a lot of options there. It is a lot of options. I would say the Giants are probably the biggest shocker. Ooh. I know the Texans were big underdogs against the Colts. Okay. And a tie is a surprise anytime. But the Giants doing what they did. When you look at the numbers for Saquon Barkley versus Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. you'd think, wait a minute, do you have these players right here next to the proper number? Are you sure it's not the other way around? No, it's not. Henry got held under 90, and Barkley went off on the Titans. And early on in that game, look, we were upstairs after our game. That game was up on the monitor. Yes. And I think I said to you and Drew, when the Titans were up 13 nothing, I said, they're going to win by 50. Are you kidding? <laughs> But Dable's done a nice job Glass so half far. Glass for the Titans, aren't well, you? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, w- I wasn't happy about it, but I thought no, I they're going to manhandle them in, te- in Nashville week one. They lost at home last year in the opener. They're not going to do that twice in a row. At the same time, the Packers, who the got Packers, blown out last year in the yeah. opener, they're not going to lose the opener, are they? Yeah, they are, and badly. They just didn't look good. Well, no Devontae Adams, and there was so much talk yeah. about Aaron Rodgers being in the MVP conversation yet again. I mean, I feel like there was so much hype around Aaron Rodgers this year that to not throw any touchdowns against Minnesota and Kirk Cousins, I mean, Kirk Cousins had better numbers than oh, he yeah. did. I, well, it just he's felt got like Justin Jefferson, too, if you put him Justin on the Justin Jefferson had a day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know who good. had him in fantasy football, but I would not be, want to be playing against him in week one. Some franchises excel at producing certain positions. The Vikings produce wide receivers. I mean, it's just been that way historically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at when Randy Moss was on the team. I mean, Diggs is now in Buffalo. And then you look at Justin Jefferson taking over, torch passed. It's nice. I'm not comparing Diggs to Randy Moss, so don't at me. But Diggs (laughs) is a very nice receiver. You got to admit that. All right, next next category. Best storyline of week one goes to, one, Patrick Mahomes throws five touchdown passes to receivers not named Tyreek Hill. Saquon Barkley goes nuts, rushing for 164 yards on 18 carries. One mm. of his runs was 68 yards, by the way, mm. under new head coach Brian Dable. Or Geno Smith rallies the Seahawks, throwing two touchdown passes in a 17-16 to win against Russell Wilson. All right, I think Geno Smith is a pretty good storyline here. I'm no Seahawks fan, and mm-hmm. I was poo-pooing the Geno Smith Everybody was. Pick. Everybody Not was. Not over Drew Locke, but just this is your plan. You got these two guys, mm-hmm. and I know they're both veterans, and Geno's played a lot of games, by the way. People looked at it last night, and they were saying, hey, Geno's had a lot of start." Yeah, Geno's played in this league, but he has not played for a while. I know he played last year, but he hasn't played consistently being the guy. You are anointed the starter of this team opening day, right? First opening day start in eight years or something like that for Geno Smith. He is the story, I think, or should be, DP. I think his story is overshadowed by the late game mess up, as people define sure. it. Well, they define it differently. Using different words by Nathaniel (laughs) Hackett. I like your words, yes. But Gino probably, and you know, as the dust settles here, Gino will get a lot more love for what he did on the field last night for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know where it's going for them, but people sort of presume that they would lose last night, and yet everybody in the NFC West taking a loss on opening weekend, but they didn't because guess who's in first place? The Seattle Seahawks, the team that everyone picked to finish last in that division after week one against a tough opponent. 
they are in first place. Especially after the the entire storyline throughout Seahawks camp was they have no they have no solution at quarterback. Yeah, they have no solution at quarterback. Everyone had written Geno Smith off. He said it in his post game interview. They wrote me off, but I ain't right back. And I thought, wow, that's I mean, he's got a chip on his shoulder as he sure. should because he hasn't been able to really latch onto any team in, mm-hmm. in all these years. Me personally, I think the Saquon Barkley story is a big it's one a good just story. because he was drafted so high. He's just been with these awful offenses the past few years. He's been hurt. He's been hurt. And now he comes back. It's yet another new head coach. You know, no one knows what their quarterback situation is going to yield in this year, but he just has an outstanding week one game. I mean, nobody was talking about Saquon Barkley as being like a lead rusher, were they? Uh, or did no. I miss it? No, nobody I think, was. No, you're right. Nobody was because people assume he will get hurt or the Giants are going to be that bad that it won't matter and he won't be able to get those yards for whatever reason. They're going to be down. They're going to have to throw it. Daniel Jones is going to turn it over a billion times. All the narratives that have plagued the Giants for the last few years, they're all going to play out. Well, maybe they don't. That was a really great performance. Maybe it's an aberration. We'll see. It's only week one. Everybody's going to change, right? Everybody hopes to get better. Everyone's going to change as the weeks go on here. But I think it's a terrific story for them and for him. If he stays healthy, he's certainly a candidate to be one of the Top rushers in the league. Or maybe a comeback player of the year. Absolutely qualified for that kind of thing. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is the best back in the league. But Barkley's certainly in the conversation at the very least if he's healthy. Look at him. He's amazing. But can he stay with it? Can he stay off the trainer's table and Mm -hmm. into the lineup and making things happen like he did on Sunday? And by the way, the Chiefs and Cardinals, that Cardinals team, that's going to oh be boy. pretty interesting. This could be quite the train wreck <laughs> this year if it doesn't if the ship doesn't right almost immediately. I worry for my friends who work for that organization, mm, okay. you know. I know we both know people who work in that organization that I don't know, I just don't feel like they're going to stick together the way a lot of teams can when they're having struggles. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out with them. It's only one game, but and it is the Chiefs, and they can roll over anybody. They can steamroll on any opponent in the league when they're hot, and they were hot on Sunday. I mean, they're scary. They're a real. They're really, really scary if Mahomes continues to play like that. All right, worst moment for a team goes to okay. fourth and five, and the Broncos decide to kick a 64-yard field goal with Russell Wilson on the sideline. Mm-hmm. The win probability for the Atlanta Falcons, which was at 97.1% against the Saints. They were up 23 to 10 in the fourth quarter, but then the Saints rallied back. And, uh, you know, a couple touchdowns by Uh, Michael Thomas, a 51-yard last-second field goal by Will Lutz, and boom, the Saints win that one. Or three, Jerry Jones tells reporters after Sunday night's game that Dak Prescott will undergo hand surgery. Well, I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to win it. Uh, I think that... But as a fan, all these things are happening. Mm -hmm. What's the worst moment? It's definitely the Broncos. It's definitely the Broncos. Really? Well, oh, Dallas is bad because it's if, it's multiple weeks. If, I should say Dallas. If Jerry Jones comes out right yeah. after the game and says that immediately, yeah. I mean, I, I, saw, I saw all these like... Um, it's Jerry, though. You know, you know, Jerry talks to the media after every game, right? He so he's he going to be honest about a lot of I'm, things. I feel like I'm leading your answer on this one. Yeah, you're reason. right. You're right. Because it's multiple weeks here without Dak. And they've gone through this a couple of years ago. Last year, they won 12 games. People forget that. They just remember remember the playoff flame out when they couldn't get the ball spiked and they ran out of time. But uh, I, I, look, I, I don't just, feel bad for them. It's Dallas. I don't, I don't either. I don't either. But but you know the funniest part is the week one overreaction. Someone had asked on Twitter, "What's a what's your week one overreaction?" And someone had put a playoff scenario chart. 
the Texans were in the hunt on this mm, chart, being 0-1. Sure. And eliminated already was the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Just, it's so funny. It's so funny. I'm it so is. sorry, but it's really, memes. really funny. NFL, NFL memes, memes just make me laugh. It's so good. It really is. And some people would say, hey, Lovey going for the tie uh, should be on there. This didn't even make my list, no, actually. Lo- there were so many the, other moments. Lovey going for the tie. We covered it at the top here. This is a calculated move on his part with all his years of experience. Didn't want to get the loss. Decided to go for a half win. <laughs> and we'll see where it takes the Texans. Maybe later on in the season, you'll be like, you know what? I'll take the tie. That worked out in our favor. Don't yeah, I mean, wait and see. look, everybody would have loved to win the game. Of they course. had third and one. You know what? Get that yard. I think if they just get stuffed, he's going for it on fourth and one somehow. There's some play. But now it's fourth and three. It's not an obvious run situation mm. at all. It's not even an obvious pass situation, but it's kind of you got to throw the ball fourth and three, right? You're going to go Mills in the shotgun and see what happens. And if you don't make it, the way the Colts were rolling in the second half offensively, I didn't feel good about stopping them. I felt like fourth and three you were probably going to lose the game. Now, I hate Mark, to be a negative. Mark, you and, I, you and I came up with the best play of all. What was the best play? Line up Jeff Driscoll and I'm all your you. running backs. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I third it's, and one. It's, Deepy, the, the, way things it's went, the L formation, everybody. <laughs> Driscoll played what? Two plays, right? Yeah. The Driscoll thing worked, okay? It did work. Driscoll had that one run up the right sideline, and he tightrope the sideline, got the first down, on third and one, if they had rolled Driscoll out there, I'm not. That's not the worst idea in no, the world. No, it's not. Okay, I if you're the Colts, so. you're thinking, okay, they brought him in here. He handed off once and he ran it once. I don't think he's going to throw it. I don't think he's going to throw it, but you never know. Driscoll with some sort of run pass option kind of thing, like roll Driscoll out. He's got a, he's got wheels now. He showed it. Driscoll diving I, on third and one, not fourth and three. Third and one, Driscoll. I would have been okay with that. I would have been all right with that because I think it would have kept the Colts off balance enough to make them wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, is he going to throw it? Is he going to run it? Mm. Is he going to hand it off? I or is put, he just a decoy? You don't but to have Driscoll that. and Pierce in the game at that moment? Yes. Think about it because they would say, oh, well, they're what's probably going to go to Pierce, but maybe not. Uh, Driscoll, they yeah. would be thinking about it. And look, with Burkhead in the game with Mills third and one, I was thinking they're going to throw it here. It's going to be some kind of play fake. They're going to throw it. So uh, they handed off. It didn't work. They went backwards. Lovey made his decision. We'll live with it and move on to Denver. I think you should on a napkin or on a piece of paper, write this up. And the next time you have Lovey on, just, just offer your Lovey, suggestions. How about this? Lovey, no. here's what we came up with on it's, Tuesday. Yeah, I'm sure Lovey will be like, sure that's love great, that. Mark. Thank you very much. Like, I appreciate immediately it. Throw it in the garbage. All right. We got one more segment. We're going to go around the NFL. Some of the worst news of the NFL, maybe not so bad. Some injury updates. It's all coming up on Texans all access. One final segment. One final segment of Texans All Access. We go around the NFL. Mark and I were just talking about our Emmy noms. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought I, we both agreed that the worst news for a fan would be to hear about Dak Prescott. But Jerry Jones, Mark, he went on The Fan this morning yes. in Dallas, uh, 105.3. And he says that Dak Prescott's not going to go on IR. He had hand surgery this morning, mm-hmm. but there's a chance he could miss fewer than four games. Initial reports on Sunday had Prescott missing six to eight weeks, but after a successful surgery Monday morning, reports came in at four to six weeks, and Jones hinted there's a good chance it's going to be closer to that number. I don't know how these players do it. You know, Hand surgery. You have surgeries, and you get immediately thrust back into the lineup upon a clean bill of health. Instead of, 
you know what? You're able to be human and walk around and do your thing and brush your teeth or whatever you have to no, do. No, uh, just, no. Yeah. Go get in more collisions with other big <laughs> humans, many of which are much bigger than you, who want to maim you, as Jim McMahon used to say. I don't know if you ever heard that cut. I don't have it handy here. Jim McMahon. Man, it's a weird game. They just people want to maim you. Oh yes. Yeah, it's a good so, way to put it. Yeah, but it's uh, you know the Chicago Bears did their share of maiming. Well, I mean Derrick Henry last year when he had a broken toe or broken bone in his foot. I mean I've had that three times in my life. Mm-hmm. It's a it's four months and there's nothing you can do about it. It just has. To, I've been told so many times bone just has to heal. Yeah. You can take. You can take vitamin D, you can take calcium, you can do whatever you want, but the bone's going to grow back at the rate the bone's going to grow back. And so I thought there's no way Derrick Henry's going to come back for the end of the year. And, and, and he, he did. did. These, 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 these players, these athletes are amazing, what their bodies are able to do. And they have that will and that fortitude to come back and not miss any games. I didn't see him on Sunday when he didn't get the hundy, you know, didn't get what you would expect on the ground. And I got to see him as the season wears on here. He didn't look he great looks. in the playoff game no. when he came back. Didn't look great against the Giants as far as the numbers go, but I got to, uh, you know, I saw it a little bit on the monitor, but I got to watch that game. And we'll obviously get to sample his work later on when the Texans face the Titans home and road. All right. Well, good news also for TJ Watt after what appeared to be a torn peck in Sunday's game. It looks like he's not going to have to undergo surgery. He could also be back in as little as six weeks, according to Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. So, I mean, Mark, you and I know pectoral tears, season-ending injuries. JJ had one mm-hmm. back. Uh, but that's the game that he came back for against Buffalo was mm-hmm. the torn peck. And we just all thought it was nuts that he was able to come back yeah. and, and here's T.J. Watt. He's going to come back probably in October, which is crazy. Also, well, Whitney Merciless had a peck tear. Yes, he, he was did. Out for the season uh, as well. Mario Williams, I want to say, had a Mario peck tear. Mario Williams had a peck tear. Yeah. Or was that a biceps? I don't know. Yeah, maybe a biceps. Biceps tries some, some, but, but some sort of muscle, DP. He, he tore something. And he was out for the and year. And he was out for the year. Yeah, that was uh, 2011. Can you imagine if Mario stays healthy in 2011 on the number two defense in the league? Stop me. Stop. Anyway, Watt, J.J. Watt was inactive on Sunday. So I'm wondering, you know, we talk about Andrew Luck. It seemed like a soft tissue sort no, it was of a, a calf. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, hoping he can come back. And he's been through a lot of rehab, man. I mean, you mentioned him coming back in 2019. Last year does the same kind of thing. Out for a long time, comes back. Mm-hmm. How many times can you do that? He's amazing with these rehab returns. It's incredible to watch. I'm just wondering the kind of wear and tear it has on his spirit. But, you know, Watt just keeps going through everything, it seems. I think as long as he can come back for, like, a playoff game or meaningful games in December, I think that that gives you that that will to come back and go mm-hmm. through your rehab. I think it's much harder if you know it's the entire year and it's going to be a whole year before you yeah. can play again. I think that's really hard. But I think for a guy like J.J., he uses that as his motivation. I mean, him coming back in that Buffalo game, like, we thought it was crazy. And I remember talking to Whitney Merciless. We used to do the player show at Fuddruckers. Yeah. And I said, Whitney, you had a, a peck tear. Like, how how crazy is it that JJ is going to try to come back? And he said, it's insane. He said, that is a really tough injury to come back for, from in the same season. So if he's able to do it, it'll be tremendous. Of course, JJ did. He was quiet until he had the sack against the Buffalo Bills. Play of the game, really, it was to the get him going. Play of the game. It got everything. It got the players going. Got the crowd going. And you know, for a guy like JJ, that that probably was worth. Even if they lost in Kansas City the next week, that play alone was probably worth him working his way back and trying to rush back for the playoffs. You have four playoff victories in the history of the franchise. Still more than the Cowboys in the last 20 years, And by he the was way. a part of all of them. But he was a part of all of them. And Well, wait a minute. Ooh, no, not 2016. No. Three out of the four. Not the not Brock bad. year. 
right? Yeah, not the Brock year. That was uh, Clowney taking over for a while because he had that pick in the, uh, in the red zone, right? Well, it wasn't the red zone. You were backed up. The Raiders were back. Well, the Raiders up. were, yeah. And the Cloudy Ra- tried to score on the play, what like in the same end zone, couldn't get there. But it's it was funny. a big play. The kid reporter, my son asked him, a Clowney about that in play reporter. He's like, well, I mean, come on, Jadevi. I'm like, why didn't you score on that? And I was just standing there sweating. <laughs> He's like, the guy, the guy had, the guy caught me by the leg. He's, yeah. He told my son to go watch the film. He figures Jogi would ask that question. <laughs> yeah, he, he asked a tough question. He told Jogi to go watch the film on it, and Jogi said, fine. All right, well, that's going to do it for Texans All Access. You know who's going to watch the film for you is John Harris because he's got Texans matchup coming up next he looks back against the week one opponent of the Colts and looks forward to the Denver Broncos you're not going to miss it. it's coming up next brand new show Texans matchup up next Mark thank you so much thank you DP we'll be back we'll be back again tomorrow with more Texans all access thank you so much for listening everybody out there and as always go Texans